This is our last message on this series. We're going to start. Easter's coming around the corner. We all know that. Prayfully, we'll be engaged, bring people out, bring non-safe people to church um, so that we have a good time of the year when they talk about Resurrection Sunday. We could have a good time of the year that we could focus people on Resurrection Sunday to come to Christ. Okay? So it's a good time to invite folks that they think to come out on Resurrection Sunday. Um, this, but when we finish with that, we're going to go to a series on, you know, dealing with emotional duress uh, and how people in the scriptures, when they are going through such emotional duress, how did they make it out productively and effectively? So we're going to go from there to that as we continue this whole year on being intentional. Say that again. Being in intentional about whatever I'm doing I'm going to be intentional if it's emotional duress intentional if it's giving intentional did a whole series and what does intentional mean biblically we'll keep growing that way now look at second Corinthians chapter 9 can't say that I haven't taught this message before but I refreshed it because God has taught me a lot about this section of this passage of scripture and he says in verse 10 this now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase your harvest of your righteousness. And you will be enriched in everything for all liberality, which through us is producing thanksgiving for the ministry of the service. It is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but also overflowing through many thanksgivings to God. Dear God, we thank you. We thank you very much for teaching us how you function with money. Lord, there's so much you're trying to teach us with this. And God, I pray that we will focus in the way you've called us to focus. So that we don't just see this as giving and preachers and church. But we see what your intentions are about a resource that is necessary and how do we manage that resource that is necessary. We ask you for wisdom in this. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. There was a lady, a single woman, who had come to a point in her life where things were just difficult. It's kind of from one thing to the next. A husband leaving, uh, children uh, growing up and not going in the right direction. And so the list goes on of how she operated in her life and it kind of got to the point where she's now lonely and broken. And in that loneliness and brokenness, she went through a very desperate situation. And in that desperate situation, the king of this country jumped in to help her out of the blue sky. He decided, no, I'm not going to, I phoned out about this lady's situation, so I'm going to jump in and see what I could do to help her be productive. So he did, and he saved her life as a result because of how things had gone down over time. And when saving her life and, and helping her do better, she would come to the city gates. She would come right when he's getting ready to go in to do his job. She would come to those gates and bow to him and say, thank you so much. And she would keep thanking him for what he has done. And he kept coming to him saying, thank you. Well, one day he is out moving around in, his, in the city 
and he goes right by her place and he happens to see that her fruits are really producing well. Her, her fruits, her garden was looking fresh. Things were like coming back and it was looking really well. So in no thought of anything, he said to the people going with him, he, they, he said to them, hey, ask sis, Mr. So -and, Sister So-and-so, uh, Miss So-and-so, would you ask her if I could get some of her fruit and how I can get some of her vegetation, vegetables. They, they look really good. It, it seems like it's really fresh and the ground is really producing good, solid food. So he, he thought nothing of it and kept going. And then his servants came back to him and says, she said that she couldn't do it for you because this has been the best crop she's ever had. And this crop is really so, so long as things have been difficult, she really needs this crop. He didn't say anything. He didn't try to go back and beat her up over it. He just kind of dropped his head, kind of knitted his brows like, she comes here and she constantly thanked me. And I'm not asking for all of it. I'm just asking if she give me a little bit of it. Uh, so, because it's, it's good crop. And he's the king. He could always supply her more. He could always give to her more. He's always go back and make her garden better. He could always go back and make her resources better. Make sure she's doing well at the marketplace. All these different things. But she saw such good results from the crop that she thought, I need to hold on to it. Many times it's like that. That God has been good to us. Our jobs have held up during COVID. Our health has been sustained. God has taken care of our families. God has watched over the fact that in spite of all of this wars and all these different situations that have taken place around the world, we could still pump gas. God has allowed it that we have still been able to eat. Uh, and we are in a country that is fighting over weight issues, not fighting to gain weight. That's how blessed we are. You know, in some countries, they're just looking for one meal a day. We're trying to lose weight because we got so many meals. We're in an opposite situation. We, we are so blessed each and every day to have what we have. And when we come to this whole issue of giving, we get all upset. And sometimes folks says, I'll wait till the series is over, then I go back to church. We have that kind of attitude about it. When the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, is the one who's providing everything. The King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, is the one who wakes us up, the one who carries us on our way. We can't even sit in a car without God. We can't drive a car without God. We can't turn on electrical bills without God. We cannot operate where, like you see in California, when there was a drought, it was difficult for them to make it because without the rain, no matter how wonderful the water stations may be, how great the pumps may be, how wonderful everything may be, you got to have the fundamental thing, water. 70% of our body is made up of water. So if we don't have water, we're losing our body. So they needed rain. Then they got a lot of it, way too much of it. But they got rain to the point they didn't even know how to capture that much rain when God chooses to bless them. See, and the times are like that. How could we look at the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, and say, hey, I'm doing pretty good. Why you want to talk about my money? Key thing, my money. Do you realize you can't make money without paper to come from trees that he made? It's interesting how that is. And that's why when we take a good look at the sore, the issue for the sore, the king, is let me talk about your resources. Please understand, in those days, the king basically owned the land. 
He basically owned the land. That's why he could tax anybody the way he wanted to. It wasn't no vote of Congress. wasn't no signing of anything. He decided to tax the people. That's what got Solomon in trouble. Because Solomon taxed the people so much, they were glad when he was dead. Because he taxed them so much that that's why he could open up and show the queen of Sheba all the money he had. He didn't just get that from his vineyards and all that stuff. He got that from heavy taxation. So when you start to see all these resources the king could have, he could have took the whole field. He didn't have to save her life. So the issue is the sore. And that's what the focus is when it comes to resources. And why is that the case? I want to teach through this because we've made this over the years about the preacher and about, that's why I've ripped all of that stuff out of here. Even though people have fussed at me uh, about it and we've, because of that fussing, I've relented a few times. But I wanted to keep this so pure that nobody could say it living word is about the preacher. You can't, you can't point to nothing that says that. Because I wanted to keep this pure. I wanted for this to be an issue of what God thinks about the resources that he provides us and how he wants us to manage that and how that determines how he blesses us. It's not about the church. It's about a resource. And let me show you why. I want you to go to Matthew chapter 6 before we dive into this passage today about what is the big deal that this sower wants us to be respectful for. And this sower is focused this way. He says in Matthew chapter 6, look at verse 19, that when it comes to money, it could master us to where everything we do in our life is about money. We think money. We focus money. Every decision we make is money. When we come to church, that's the reason why we would turn God off. In verse 22, 24 rather, he says, no one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. It is impossible. Look at some people today. They can't come to church because they got to get an extra job. Why do they have to get an extra job? Why is that a big deal? Look at 1 John. I want you to see that the Bible talks about resources because he says, if I ever fell in love with it, even as a preacher, it disqualifies me. If I ever fell in love with it, he literally says that it will develop aptitudes that will be attached to things that are evil. I would try to cut this corner, do this, do that, in order to make more of it. I would try to, the evil in the Bible means I would know what God is saying I do with the money, but I'm going to turn around and take it and do some other things. Some people have gotten extra women with this because they could work their money this way and work their money that way. Some people got extra lives with it. Some people got two different families in two different cities because they have money and resources to pull it off. So money has done a lot of things to a lot of people because he says well, if you fall in love with it, it will become such a master over the person's life that the person's life will be controlled by it. Every decision they make will be about money. And when that happens, it could lead to decision making that is evil. I know what God is saying, but this is what I want to do because I want more of it. It's like the man I saw and I got to know, he says, man, listen, man, I, I'm a millionaire, but it doesn't hurt to make another million. It just had to be more millions upon more millions upon more millions. It's like how people have now ripping off the country by they've gotten the money from the government, but now they got to go find a way to get it a different way. And, and so they are ripping off the government of all this money attached to what went on with COVID. And they had nothing to do with any of it. They just got good lawyers, good accountants, put together stuff, and they became millionaires off the government. People, why? Money. Chase it every day. 
He says to become a master of a person's emotions, the way the person thinks, the way the person operates, how they desert a family for it. Some people would work, 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 never home. Like I would tell many men, you, you work to provide for your family so that you could continue to be a leader over it. You don't work to provide for your family and you're not even there to raise them. That don't make any sense. It was just to provide. It wasn't to dominate how you function. And that's why kids could grow up with good resources but can't stand their parents. Their parents could grow up and don't have nothing to do with their parents. Because the parents weren't there, the parent chasing money. Think of how much less divorces there was when African Americans were poorer. Think of how much less crime there was when African Americans were poorer. Think of how much community we had when African Americans were poorer. Think of how much relationships in families were stronger and we have greater memories of our parents, greater memories of our families, greater memories of our communities when we were less money. Think of how much we are killing one another with more money. Think of how much our kids are dropping out of school with more money. Think of how many kids are now in gangs with more money. He says the money and the love of it could lead to that much evil. We are seeing it. In 1 John chapter 2 verse 15 through verse 17 he says this. Do not love the world nor the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of God is not in him. Doing what God says is an irritation. It frustrates them. Can't stand the fact that they're even being discussed. It irritates them. That's what it means to, to not love God. To love God is to keep his commandments, to desire pastor to do what he wants us to do. David was an example about that. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, man, I got to have that. It feels good when I wear it. It feels good when I drive it feel good you know when I walk in and live in it I feel good when I click the television and it's flat screen and bent over and all this other it's got a curve to it feel good man high high definition man I've seen somebody's high definition I'm saying God I don't know if this should high definition man the woman in the picture had all her wrinkles showing <laughs> some of her makeup was a little smudged on the side I'm saying, you don't need that much definition, man. You know what? That's way too much definition. You got to have a little cloud somewhere, especially when you get to my age, you know. Cloud this thing a little bit. That's why people put on makeup these days. In verse 16, he says, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but it is from the world. Just boasting about what I have and what I've gained. I've seen people have all of that stuff and die miserable. Passed it long enough to see that. No matter how much money they had, that money could not rescue them from health issues. In verse 17, he says, the, the world is passing away and also it's lost. Ain't nobody with a U-Haul going to heaven. But the one who does the will of God lives Forever. God blesses them on earth because he's the sower and whatever they stored up in heaven becomes a blessing in heaven. They continue to continually be rich forever. And this is how he talks about this richness with him being the sower. How does that work with him being the sower? Let's walk back into 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 
2 Corinthians chapter 9. This is how God is talking about it. It's not about preachers. not about no church. We've made it about all these things. It's not about a bus, a van, a house, a car. It's not, about, it's not about the building. It's about how does he who provides this resource, how does he see it since he's the one that caused us to need to eat? He made us to eat. He designed our bodies physiologically with teeth, stomach, everything else. We get hungry. He designed us to eat. He says we got to work to eat. So he designed this process. What is this source saying about this resource? And this church, you could not say it's been about that. But I need to teach you about it. So that when we talk about offerings, we keep our focus at this church. And I am tired of people trying to beat me up about, well, you know, churches, with, uh, we haven't, we're 29 years old. We, we hadn't done that. Stop telling me about other churches and you don't know what living we're going to do. That has gotten really old. I don't want to hear it. Say that to yourselves, but don't bring it to me no more. I'm tired of hearing that. We haven't been that. You always know a person over time. You don't know a person in a short distance. It's been 29 years now. Now let's look at verse 10. Look at verse 10. This is what he says in verse 10. This is the supply chain. If you want to keep the supply chain going, even when your job looks shaky, when your health looks shaky, when your family situation looks shaky, here is how you do this. He says this in verse 10. Now he who supplies seed, why would he say this seed? Now please remember who he's writing to. He's writing to a group of people who in Corinth had a temple up on the hill and the temple up on the hill was a fertility, it was, a, was a, a temple in the hill that was focused on these farmers getting blessed. So whatever they would gather from their gardens, they would go up to this temple and they would worship this God, this fertility God, not attached to people having babies, but attached to their land multiplying. And they would go up with their grain up there and especially the poor people people and they would worship this God and throw their grain before this God in anticipation that he would bless them with resources for their yards, for their farms to grow and become better. And so when he's talking about the supply chain, he's saying, you got to change this whole thing. You got to change this whole thing thinking that that's the way you're going to get more money. We, we, just, we, we just got a different God. It's called a lottery. Y'all don't realize that in the Bible, that's a God. I could take you to the verse and show you the verse in Isaiah 65. It's a God. A God of fortune. Okay? It just comes in different ways, but he's a God. Okay? And he likes to be worshipped with luck and chance. That's a God that is in the Old Testament that they would worship called luck and chance. Are you with me? And all he did was put the same cereal in a different box and call it new and improved. That's all he did. And so we will go down to these temples called, um, in Louisiana, what are they called? Don't act like you don't know. Huh? There you, somebody know the name. When you drive up to these casinos and you throw money at it, hoping that you get hit. Oh, this is, this is a story I got to tell. I got nothing to do with this sermon. This is funny. I got to tell this story. It was funny. It was funny. A friend of mine told me this story. It was funny. He told me the story. He said, man, there was a guy, a preacher that went to, to, uh, to Vegas to speak. Went to Vegas to speak. 
So he went to speak in Vegas. A good preacher, good preacher, guys, good reputation. And he was in a he's in a hotel, and the hotel um, was in the, the you have to go through the casino to get to the rooms. So you go through the casino. You go to the desk. I've never been in Vegas because I know the minute I say I'm going to Vegas, y'all will think all kind of stuff. So I've never been to Vegas. Pierre keeps saying it's a wonderful thing. So I don't know why. No, I'm just kidding. Pierre, Pierre went as a kid. Went as a kid. Somebody took him there as a kid. Somebody took him there as a kid. Now, so, um, so he, he's going through the casino, going to the hotel, and uh, he decided on his way out, he says, oh man, this thing is such a waste of money. Let me just, and he's going to go, he's on his way out, he's going to meet with the preacher to pick him up to go speak, right? He says, oh, this thing is a waste of money, man. I got a quarter. I just put it in here. Cause it's just a waste of money. I got, I got down here too early, you know? So he puts it in this machine and he pulls it. Jackpot. I mean, there is money flowing around everywhere. I mean, it's just like all over the floor, everywhere. Bing, 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 bing. I mean, it's just going off. And and the people are going, oh, man, you won the jackpot. So now he has to collect all this money. And he doesn't have time to go back to his room. So now he comes out to the curb with a bag of money. And he can't explain that he was just playing around. He didn't, he just, a bag of money. He's like, a, it's, they helped him pick up all the money and put it in a bag. Now he has his bag of money. He says, what are you going to do with that money? He got real spiritual. I would give it to the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord have mercy. Okay, back to the sermon. I'm sorry, I couldn't help that. It got nothing to do with the message. <laughs> but this is a true story. He's literally standing on the curb with a big bag of coins. <laughs> and, the, and the preacher picking him up goes, you played the slot machine? He goes, man, you ain't going to believe nothing I say. So <laughs> why don't I just give it to the church? He says, well, how do I take a preacher who's speaking slot machine money and say the person who's doing this revival has given slot machine money to the church? How do you expect me to explain that one? That's your problem, brother. Put it in the trunk. <laughs> <laughs> understand that the go, even doing those, so we look at these people going up to the hill and we will say, ah, oh, they're worshiping these idols. We have ours. We have ours. Casinos. We have ours. Some people are into cars. I was out speaking somewhere and they had this car show. And it's old cars that they redid. And they got all this stuff. I've seen people, their God is their bike. Their motorcycle. They got all kind of stuff in their motorcycle. They even got a little mic. And, and they go out on Saturday afternoons and they spend tons of money on it. I never forget a guy telling me how people that are going down out of, little, right outside of Houston racing. And they're racing hoping to win so much that they're barely taking care of their kids with those fast cars. We go up looking for the quick money. We don't even study what quick money does from the Bible. Go to Proverbs and he will tell you, a rich man who did it the right way, how he saw people getting quick money and how it destroyed them. It's right there in Proverbs. 
We think that God is talking about money for the church. He's trying to tell us how this money don't corrupt us. And we have to focus as a result on the sower. Because he's saying that money in its own essence will become a master over our lives. And it's all we would think about is money. Because it's always something new coming out. It's always something nicer coming out. It really doesn't matter. You could buy a good computer. I can never forget when I first got my first computer. I thought it was great. I saved up. I got this computer. And I called the guy. And in about six to eight months or something broken it. He says, oh, they don't have any parts for that anymore. It shocked me. When I thought I got the one with the bells and the whistles, the parts weren't there anymore. So they keep buying and buying and buying and buying. And the Bible said it could dominate us to where we no longer have time for one another. Families and marriages are fighting and divorcing over money. So he's saying, be focused on the sore. And the sower is down to the seed. Watch this carefully. He didn't say he's supplying the goods. He's saying he's supplying the seed. Why would he tell them he's supplying the seed? Nobody could make the seed. It has to be a creator that makes the seed. And that's why he doesn't say he supplies a food for the person who sows well. He didn't say food. He said seed. Now watch this carefully. Let me, let me, let me take you down just for a second. I want to do a little Greek here for a minute. I'm going to give Greek words and nothing like that. I just want you to understand the motion behind the text. The motion behind the text of supply, it literally means the, the present tense. What does all that mean? It means that the person who's supplying makes it a habit and it's something that's a part of his character that he just does it anyway. That's why every day in Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3 says everything that he's doing, he speaks it into being. We tend to think it's because the, the, the rain was evaporated up and then the rain creates these clouds and they come back down. He says that system he creates it and then he determines where the cloud goes to send rain. So understand he's saying every day he's making these decisions all the time. So even if we get money, if he stops rain from falling in a certain part of this country, the prices in the grocery store go up because there's a drought someplace. So even if we decided we got the best car, then there could be a war somewhere and the oil prices go up. So we don't control anything because he supplies the seed. He is the one who determines whether or not the person would have what they need to have in order to plant, in order to have the resources to do what they need to do. So at the end of the day, if God stops the earth from spinning, matter of fact, go to Hebrews chapter 1. Because we tend to think this stuff is on automatic. Uh, the, uh, you know, the, peop the people in Nassau make us think that this stuff is an automatic where, you know, the earth is spinning, it's got these certain dynamics to it, these gravitational forces, and when these gravitational forces are operating, then as a result of that, it keeps spinning because of the radius from the sun and the moon, and therefore it functions this way. For just a minute, I want you to see that the, so the supplier is the one with the seed. The supplier is the one that is making all this happen every second of every day. In Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3, he says this, best way to find Hebrews is to go to the table of content or to go to Revelation and back up. In verse 3 he says, and he is the radiance of his glory, the exact representation of his nature, and upholds, watch this carefully, all things by the word of his power. All things by the word of his power. He upholds all things. He is the supplier. He upholds all things. So when, every, when the flood waters get too high and it stops, he upheld Houston. And that's why the rainbow comes out. Because he tells us he will not flood the earth anymore. So the rainbow comes out because what is he saying? I will not drown you out. I promised I wouldn't. 
I literally see this beautifully when a pastor called me out of the Bahamas. He said, Kenny, you don't going to believe this. I said, what? He said, do you realize, you always, I used to always make a joke with them that I don't understand how y'all could not believe in God because you're on an island and when I read up on this island, it's below sea level. So do you understand what that means? So how could you not be a worshiper of God? Why is worshiping God any issue with you? You are below sea level. That means that any time there is a rise in the tide because of the moon and everything else that goes with that based on scientific processes, then you realize that you, the water could just come right over the island because you're below sea level. He says, because I made that joke so much, he said, hey, listen, you don't believe this. In the storm that you saw not too long ago that wiped out just about Abaco. In Grand Bahama, he said, the waters filled only half the island. The other half of the island, they could run to it and survive. He said, it's interesting because the whole island should have been underwater. But by the grace of God, only half of it was. Understand, he says, he upholds the, the whole world by his words. Every day he's doing things through his word. Go to Colossians. Come on, let's do, since y'all missed Bible study, come on, let's do some Bible study up in here. I want you to see this because you've made this about the preaching, about the church, and about money, and about this. And I'm going, no, stop it. God is saying that this resource is something that he supplies, that he takes care of, that he functions on. And that's why some of us are so stressed out trying to make money. Because we're doing it the world's way and the world is taking our health, our marriages. The world is taking and causing us to be so stressed out. We can't be good parents because we are fighting, chasing something that is take, taking all the sustenance out of us. And we don't realize he has a lot to say about this. In Colossians chapter 1, chapter 1, he says this. He says, verse 17, he says, For he is before all things, and in him all things, what? Hold together. All things, what? I want to hear you say it. Everything is held together by his words. So we say, where, where is God speaking? He is speaking. He said, there are going to be wars and rumors of wars. What do we got? Wars, rumors of wars. Kids will turn against parents. What do we got? Kids turn against parents. It's all in the Bible. Because he is the sower. And he is the supply chain. It's not your job. Just go around Houston and look at all of the businesses that closed after COVID. Look at, just drive around. Go research how many businesses closed as a result of COVID around the world. It will shock you. All he did was allow Satan to bring a disease on this earth. And those who believed that their resources was what the supplier was doing, he showed them, you don't supply nothing. So if I could shut this down, you can't do nothing. He showed them that just not too long ago. He's the supplier. He holds everything together. Let's go back to 2 Corinthians. But the world has our minds so absorbed into what we think about everything that when, a, when you actually try to keep this pure and work hard at it, we still can't get our minds around what God is saying. We see God as the enemy, not the supplier, the friend. He says, the seed to the sower. Who is he supplying it to? The sower. In other words, I am deeply committed 
to the people who respect the sower. Because when they go out to take the seed, think about their world, they took the seed, they plowed the ground, they took the seed, and then they scatter it, right? Little pouch in front of them, put their hands in the pouch, and they scatter it. Think about it for a minute. They don't have fertilizer in their day. They don't have all these bulldozers and all this stuff to mess up, the, get the earth ready in their day. They have birds that are coming. They got pestilence that could come. So when they throw the seed out, they have no clue how much of that seed is going to catch. So he's saying, the only reason I have to give the, a person who is throwing out the seed, the only reason I have to give to them is because they just threw out the seed, so therefore what I got to do is supply them with more. But if they hoard the seed, and you don't forget their world, people like pharaohs believed in the afterlife. And people like Pharaoh that believe in the afterlife, what they would do is they would so believe in the afterlife that they would take their resources and put it inside of these pyramids and so that when they come back in the afterlife, they're just as rich as when they were living. And they would take seed and grain and put it in there. Guess what? When people came and started raiding those pyramids, because they never got back into the afterlife and came back, the seed sitting on those tables was still seed thousands of years later. So there's no point in supplying seed when somebody's not sowing. So therefore, even just why people, when they're trying to make ends meet, have to work, 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 and kill themselves working because there's no supplier. They're depending on the world to make it happen. And God is saying, but if a person decides to scatter the seed because of their focus on me as a supplier, I have a reason to supply it back to them because they trusted me. But the person who doesn't do it, that person is going to fight and struggle and in pain trying to take care of their resources. That's why it's like that for us. We think it's just because the economy, I mean, this and, and that. No, the, I'll take you to a verse that shows you the economy in a country depends on the economy in a church. So if the country is struggling, it's because of us. Look at Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24. Come on with me. I want to just teach you through this today. Well, you can't just say, pastor was preaching on money. No, pastor was teaching us how money works biblically, and that's why giving is important in church. I want you to see this why giving is important. He doesn't take giving and make it a light issue in church because this is the place that he's committed to. He is the head of the church. This is his body. So if I'm going to be a sower, then it has to be related to what he is about. Because I am responding to the supplier, and the supplier is saying he's the head of the church. The church is his body. Since he is the supplier, and he is saying this is where I'm parked. I'm not parked in the Democratic Party. I'm not parked in the Republican Party. I'm not parked in any ministry outside of the church. I am parked in the church. So if the church fails, there's chaos in the world. So since I'm parked in the church and I'm the supplier, it becomes the issue in the church. If a person has a family and they are committed to their family, money becomes an issue as to why it's not coming to the house when the person works. Because that's where they are committed. In Proverbs chapter 11 verse 24, he says this. The one who scatters... And yet increases all the more. There's one who scatters and yet increases all the more. And there's one who withholds what is justly due and yet results only in lack, want. 
They're constantly needing stuff because they choose not to scatter. So that's why they're broke and struggling and can't make it. They don't know how they're going to make the ends meet. He says, it's not happening by accident. It's happening because the person chooses not to be a scatterer. It's in the scriptures. I want you to see this. That's why he's saying the sore is, is critical to this working on a continual basis. Back to 2 Corinthians. The, how we sow tends to make this all work. Look at Luke chapter 6 since you're turning already. And some of y'all got phones anyway. Y'all ain't turning. Y'all just clicking buttons. So it shouldn't hurt you to, to click a button. Okay? Just think about the television. And you're twitching buttons. It don't hurt you. So let's, let's just change buttons. Look at Luke chapter 6. Follow me down to verse 8. How I scatter determines how the sore operates with me. How I scatter. Okay? In verse 30, he says, give, and it will be given to you. They will pour into your lap a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. For by the standard of your measure. Watch the word carefully. The standard of your measure. You got to think with me for a minute. Don't forget, when they go to the marketplaces, they have scales. So, if they have scales and they're going to give you a pound of rice or a pound of sugar, guess what you have on this side? A pound weight. So, how I gain this rice or sugar depends on the person measuring it by a standard. And whatever that standard is, is validated by the people in the marketplace. So, he's saying, you, you can get back from me. How you standardize your giving. And that's where we ended up with tithes. This particular offering situation is what they call a free will offering. I explained tithes last week. What I want to do this week is explain to you how, what this free will offering is about. That's why I don't mind talking about the 700 Club. I don't mind talking about those things because they're attached to giving is, God, I did what was required. Now I'm going to give you what you don't require. That's what this is about. Because I so appreciate your sowing, I will don't I want to find a reason to I matter of fact, free will giving is actually not a reason. I got a God, give me a reason to do it. It's an opportunity. Give me an opportunity to go do what you need to do me to do because God, you keep supplying me. I so trust you. I just want to find another opportunity to give you more than the standard. That's what this is about. See, the Corinthian people, he's not telling them about a tithe in 2 Corinthians. But he's telling them about giving to the church in Jerusalem. Not about giving to their church, but giving to the church in Jerusalem. So if you, you he says, you do what you're supposed to do. Give it to your church. But when the needs of the saints are before you, and you know their needs are before you, you should be able to go in and supply from those, to those needs. This, is, this sermon is about, this passage is about a free will offering because he is assuming they're tithing. People have switched this into this New Testament church is just about free will offerings. No, where do you see that? This is a particular offering to a particular church who was supposed to give to Jerusalem and they didn't. So he sends Timothy and says, Timothy, I need you to go pick up this offering from the folks in Corinth because they are not sending it because they're accusing me of being a thief. And of course they're accusing me of being a thief. They're not sending the money when I'm not stealing. So since, since they think I'm stealing, go ahead, you tithe, you Timothy, go ahead and you collect it and you take it. That's what this is all about. 
So instead of me going to get it, since they think that, I'm going to let you go get it. That's why he's writing this passage. It's not about tithing is gone. It's about how do you give above it? Because it's a need beyond what the church could do in Corinth. Now, since it got quiet, I could teach more. <laughs> Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Let's go back there. This is not about it. This is not about that. We dealt with that yesterday, last week. Last week. He says this. He says this in verse, in verse 10. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for what? Food. Wow. Wait a minute. Why do you have to put bread for food? He just said he who supplies seed to the sower and then bread for food. That should be automatic, right? If you supply seed for the sower, what does the sower do? Reap the crop. What do they do? Sell the crop. What do they do with the money they get? They buy food for their family. He's saying, no, 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 no. There's actually a break between the money coming in from the, from the place that you are getting. Watch this carefully. When you pick up the crop and you decide to get the crop and go to the marketplace, that's a whole different transition, a transaction. You may go to the marketplace, don't say it crop, right? What happens if you leave your veggies out on the counter too long? So suppose you go to the marketplace, right? And you got your veggies and nobody's buying them at day after day. So now you got the, the results of sowing, but you can't get the bread unless somebody buys the sowing. So what he's saying is, I forget you the buyer. I don't just bring you up the crop. I got to send you a buyer. Because if I don't send you a buyer... That stuff is gone and you wasted all your energy. So that's why I'm the one who supplies the bread. Oh, y'all not walk with me. You may get your paycheck because you sowed, you reaped. But when you get home, there's a hole in the roof. The washing machine speaks in tongues. Okay? When you turn on your car, it's leaking all gas and water. It's telling you, I'm in the restroom right now. Give me a break. Okay? You now go to the doctor, and they say, take this medicine, and you go to the pharmacist, and the insurance says, we don't cover that. So now you got a bigger bill than you would have had if you just had to pay what, you, what your insurance didn't pay. You go, to, you, you go home and the kids say, Dad, I got a project. And it's due, you know how they do that, right? It's due tomorrow. <laughs> they, they never tell you two weeks from now. It's due tomorrow. And they look you dead in the face like, rescue me. It's due tomorrow. Now you got to figure all that out. And that's why the money, even though you bring it home, it's like there's holes in your purse. Because it can't arrive as food, I got to keep the lights on. Y'all gonna have to just eat crackers today. I, I, I gotta, I, I gotta pay. I gotta get to work, so I need some gas money. So you gonna have to wear them same shoes, and, and you, we can just try to get some rice and beans. You see, it didn't make it to the table because we did not sow the way God tell us to sow. So there's holes in the purse. 
So even though in our day, we may not have the stuff wither, in our day, it does wither. And it creates such problems that we can't pay the bills because there's so much going wrong. And we can't put food on the table. That's what he's saying. Now, I wish I had some time, but the clock is ticking. And y'all's clock in your head ticks too. I wish I was in Africa right now. They don't, they don't even come with a watch. Now, <laughs> See, understand, it was funny. I went to, y'all ain't going to believe this. I went to a wedding in Africa. And the young lady said, Pastor, I want you to be the speaker. So I said, oh, okay. I'm kind of surprised with all these preachers around. Her father's a pastor and he's got all these pastors sitting there. And I'm going, okay, this, this don't look too good, but I'll do it. She said, yeah, 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 please, 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 please. I want you to be the preacher. I want you to preach on marriage. I want to preach on marriage. So I got up. I said, okay, got 15, 20 minutes. Okay. Because, you know, she says, no, it's a sermon. I'm going to sermon at a wedding. She goes, yes, it's a sermon, a wedding. So I'm thinking, oh, 20 minutes, I'm done. I'm sitting down 15 minutes, I'm done. I finished speaking, believe it or not, living word, this is the truth. I finished speaking, I had guys clock it because they said, you ain't going to do this. I had some preachers with me from Houston, you ain't going to do this. You're going to be that, that preacher that carries this wedding way long. And you know, Africa weddings, it takes a long time. You got to get the, bread, the bride out the house. I'm serious. You can't just go say we've got it ready. You got some folk in here shaking their head. You got to stand in front of the door, the groom, and all these ladies trying to pay her to leave the house. I'm serious. I was standing outside going, why is she not coming out? And they taught me this lesson. No, they're going to keep sending money in there, money in there, money in there, money in there. And when she thinks the price is right, that's when she comes out. And I'm going, whoa, this is the first time I want to be a woman. <laughs> I mean, she, she, they got to pay her to come out. That's how they pay the dowry. You got to keep paying. I mean, and they're sending money in. And they go on a sit on a mat and put their money together. Then they go inside and they, she, they keep bargaining with her and bargaining with the parents. And then eventually they come out. I'm going, where the money? <laughs> I mean, they, they're serious. So I'm thinking this wedding has been going on for days. Not, not, not one day, a day. So I'm thinking... Hey, man, quick sermon. This has been going on for a long time. You got to get the bride. Then when they leave, they got to do certain things before they get to the ceremony, before they get to the reception and all this other stuff. So I'm going, this is a two, three-day deal. So I'm going to speak for, when I finish speaking, the preacher who was officiating the wedding goes, well, that is the shortest sermon we've ever heard at an African wedding. So that's why I'm saying, I wish it was in Africa right now. Even at a wedding, they had their hands on their watch. In the name of Jesus. But back to Houston I is. He says, he says, bread for food. Bread for food. Why is he saying that? See, okay, I explain why, but it's a second reason. Bread for food, God does not see that we ever do bread for food. I am the bread. He who feeds on me will never be hungry. Man shall not live by bread alone. Man lives by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So that's why this ends up with righteousness. See, what he's saying here is you need to get into a relationship with the bread supplier. Or it will never make it to the table. 
So if, if you are sowing, but it ain't got nothing to do with God, then you're messing up because you got to sow the way he is saying you sow because you have a relationship with God. And because you have a relationship with God, you so trust him, you so believe in him that you're going to go ahead and give above a tithe and just bless God to make sure his ministry goes to the topest level and achieve whatever it needs to achieve. So God, I'm going to do it because I have a relationship with you and I've learned to trust you, walk with you, depend on you, have faith in you because you've never left me, you've never leave me, you've always been next to me, you've always taken care of me. So God, I got to worry about what you're going to do because God I know who you are and because I know who you are this is what I'm going to do he says when I do that it's because I see him as the one who makes the bread so therefore I got to be with the bread maker that's what he is saying so this bread, we got a lot of verses you could go to with it matter of fact you go to one of these days when you get time read Luke chapter 12 in Luke chapter 12, there's a man who got built barns. I'm rich. I got money. And guess what happens? He dies. He never gets to enjoy it. And actually, there's a passage in Proverbs about that. That a person will get rich, have money, and then they die and they give it to a fool who squanders it in a day. That's what the Bible says. They leave all this money to, the, to, to a group of kids who just squander it. And so they, 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 they were rich on earth. Luke in Revelation chapter 3. But in heaven, they never stored up nothing in heaven. So when they came to heaven, they lived forever poor. Yeah, it's actually in the Bible. So I'm saying he's not, preachers have made this about themselves and about a church. And God is saying, let me tell you about my resource called money. Talk about this money. If you don't get it right, it even affects you in heaven. He's that serious about it because he's supplying all of this. He's the one holding all of this together. And that's why he's saying, hey, he, the man built these barns and boom, gone. Never got to enjoy it. He says, Solomon was rich. But if you look around at all the birds in the sky, when are they struggling to eat? They die from disease, not hunger. So he says, seek ye first the kingdom of God. Just like this pastor says, and his righteousness. And all this stuff you're stressing about will be provided to you. Get in love with the bread maker. That's why he's saying bread for food. Supply and multiply your seed for what? Sowing. Not giving us more money to buy more stuff. It's for sowing. And increase the harvest of your righteousness. Increase the harvest of your what? Righteousness. Oh, folks, please, please hear me. Why this demonstrates that a person is living right, that's what righteousness is, living by the standards of God when they're giving. When a person is not giving right, what he's saying is the standards of God don't make much sense to you. Back into the verse, therefore, you're not with the bread maker. Since you're not with the bread maker, you're not with the supplier. So technically you call yourself because you go to church, read your Bible, do devotions, and you serve wherever you can a person that is right with God. And he's going, no, you're not right with me. If you were right with me and you actually see me for who I am, then giving will represent the relationship is right. I, but if the relationship is off, then giving will show it. 
Because I can't talk to you in an area that is very sensitive to you. I can only talk to you in areas that you're comfortable with. Go to church. Okay, I'm here. Serve. Yeah, I need to serve God. He does good things for me. But you're not doing this when it comes to hitting a pocketbook where you really trust me as the bread for food. And you really trust me as a supplier. There's no evidence that you do that. So therefore, since there's no evidence that you do that, you technically don't walk right. So therefore, you are not walking righteous. You would know the righteous by their faith. What is faith? Second thing about this. You know the righteous by their faith. What is faith? Faith comes by what? And hearing by the what? So if a person is righteous and they walk righteousness, a person who's righteous walks by faith, right? Then the person's going to walk by the word. If they're walking by the word and the word is talking about this, even if they hurt and can't see how this could be a blessing, I will trust God and do what he says. So therefore this person, not only point one I'm making about righteousness, point two about righteousness, they will go ahead and do what God says because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So I'm going to do what the word of God says even when it doesn't make sense to me because God said it and God says, God don't lie. I will do what God says and since God is telling me to do it, I just do it. I don't really care if it makes sense to you or anybody I'm going to do it and the Bible says that person shows you that they're actually walking by faith it's the person that stands in front of Goliath you are a Philistine you are uncircumcised you curse the army of God I'm going to win this war it's a person who stands in on the Red Sea with a stick because God tell him to take the stick and put it over the Red Sea it's a person who goes into Daniel's line then and sit in that den, den because God told him what to do I don't care what the king says I'm going to do what God tells me to do it's that person who walks around and leaves Haran, walks into the Canaan, and his wife is said she's gonna have a baby. 25 years went by, but he still expects God to do exactly what God says. That's the person God says is righteous. A person who's righteous is a person named Job, who God could take all his stuff, but he would still say, I will not curse God. Naked I came, naked I leave, but blessed be the name of God. That's a righteous person. A righteous person don't need sense. A righteous person needs God's sense and they're willing to do it. That's why you would know a righteous person by the way they give. Got quiet. That's why I don't like the word Christian. Anytime somebody asks me, are you a Christian? I said, no, I'm a believer. I don't like the word Christian. I'm a believer. You're not a Christian? I am a Christian, but I'm a believer. I, lo I love doing that on a plane because it gets into such nice discussions. What's the difference? I said, well, there are a bunch of Americans that don't catch planes. But they're Americans. But they ain't going on no plane. They can get a bus or a car, but they ain't catching no plane. So, technically, even though they would tell you the airlines don't crash, da, 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 and they give you this list. They ain't catching no plane. So there are travelers, but they don't believe. You're sitting next to me because you believe. You never met the pilot. You got a black seat belt around your waist, like that's going to make a difference when we hit the ground at 1,000 miles an hour. <laughs> you, have, you are expecting to be in another place. You told somebody to meet you there, like you're going to land. Like, no, you're going to land. Why are you doing that? You are a believer. So I don't like Christian. I like believer. 
He says, all right, all right, all right. So conversation, I'm a preacher, can't be done there. Would you like to become a believer in Jesus, especially since you're closer to him than you are to the ground? It's interesting how it gets quiet right about there. He says, well, what, what, what's your name of your church? It just changes. I said, so we changing the, I, I, don't, I don't go with them, you know, so are we changing the conversation? Oh, no, preacher, no, preacher, I'm just thinking, I'm just thinking. I said, we're about to land, you're still thinking? <laughs> it's funny, though. I got this guy real good. That's why I'm real good. He asked me, he says, what do you do for a living? He said, man, I sell something that's free. I'm a salesman. You, my nobody would take it. I have a hard time convincing people to take something that I offer that is free. He says, what are you talking about? You offer something that's free and they wouldn't take, and they wouldn't take it? He said, no, they wouldn't take it. Who does that? Maybe you. <laughs> he goes, what do you mean maybe me? What are you selling? Jesus. Would you take him? Well, preacher, well, preacher, well, preacher, preacher. You're a preacher, huh? You're a preacher. I said, see, there you go. He is free, but you wouldn't take him. That's why this sales job is so hard. That I'm on a plane today trying to sell it. And you still wouldn't take it. Either I'm doing a bad job, or it's just too easy for people to take. Well, preacher, well, preacher, let me think about it. How do you think about free? They can't get rid of me. That's why I think if they had a chance to change seats, they probably would. That's why he says this. That's why he says this. He says, you will be enriched in what? Everything. Y'all got to hear that. Everything. Everything. Why? I'm so frustrated with people who make giving like, if you give, God going to bless you. If you give, you know, God going to bless you in the city, bless you in the field, bless you. I said, man, what are you talking about? So I, my, my, my friend that does that, I said, man, slow down, dude. Think about it for a minute. Think about it for a minute. You got all your kids. You love your kids, right? Yeah. I said, think about it for a minute. When your kids are doing well, what do you want to do? Oh, man. Yeah, man, my son is doing good. He's got his making straight A's. He didn't, he didn't even follow me yet. He was going down the road. He's so proud of his kids. I know he was. Making straight A's, man. I'm going to bless this boy. He's going to college. He's always very responsible. I'm going to get him a, oh, now you're thinking. You're going to get him a what? A car. So you're going to bless this kid in the car because he got a scholarship and all this other stuff and you're so proud of him, right? So the issue for your son wasn't how he could mess you, mess you all up, hug you, do what all this stuff to you. The issue for your son was respecting his dad, doing what his dad said, honoring what his father and mother gave to him to do, working with you and your wife to take education serious, go to school and even invite the people he wants to date home to see if y'all approve on a dating, not marriage, on dating. He does all these things because he respects you and your wife, right? Yes. That's what led to the blessing, right? Yes. That's why righteousness leads to everything. It's not, it's not, I got to give God money so I can do less. Be what God wants me to be. And God is gracious to do everything. Health, wake me up, protect me, guard me, watch over my job, take care of my kids, give them good health and strength, bless them to do well. God is willing to do all of it. Why? I'm in love with him. 
He's so excited I'm in love with him, so excited I want to walk with him because he died for this. He died for this. He suffered on a cross for this. He raised from the dead for this. He wants a relationship with us. And because we are committed to have a relationship with him, he says, I want to bless my kids. I want to bless them when they wake up, when they lie down, when they walk through the streets. I want to bless them. That's why David would say, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or begging bread. It is when the righteousness is right, I bless you with everything. Not some things, everything. Ah, you're not working with me. You don't have to go down to worship the casino on you. Don't have to work a second job and so you can't be a father or a mother. You, you don't have to go and, and, and yes, sir, master on the job because I protect you there. I, I could just do your job and do it well. I'll bless you there. Even if you have a bad boss, Colossians chapter 3, verse 22 to verse 26, I'll bless you on that job. So even if you have a bad boss, it works. I'll bless you. So he says, just, just what I say and I got this. You don't have to do anything else. writing to Jews and Gentiles where were the Jews in the wilderness where were the grocery stores where was the marketplaces where could they plant can't bread every day God did he's saying hook up with the supplier even if life looks like a wilderness I still got you in everything. You're going to live. All the people 20 and above will keep living. Think of what that means when there's no hospital, no doctors, no medicine. 40 years later, those people without any medical help into the promised land. By you with what? Everything. Sounds like shot right now. All right. There we go. I don't know what I did, but I grew up in the ghetto, so it's working. He says, no, I wasn't in the ghetto. That Pierre thing. It's working. It's good now. He says this. Let me finish up. That's what it's probably telling me. Stop. It says, it is producing what? Everything that leads to what? Thanksgiving. I'm good. I'm good. It leads to what? Living Word Fellowship Church. You actually saw this in front of your eyes with Dr. Faustin standing right here with his wife saying, because Living Word chose. The prayer I had to God was, God, you open the place to get into Africa. We're going. You didn't tell me to go only when there's no COVID. You told me to go. So God, since you told me to go, open up the borders and I'm going. So we did. He and his wife stood right here. And they said, we wanted to come by Living Word and tell you thanks. Because this church came to us at the risk of their lives, supported us when we picked up money for people and sent it. And you have no idea how encouraging that was to us. That y'all would come and risk your lives and y'all would make a point to send money to us when things were horrible. I didn't want to tell y'all some of the stories because it's going to sound like I'm manipulating you and I never want to be that preacher. But it literally had people at their house with babies limp 
They had no food for them. Think about it for a minute. They have to farm to eat. They have to go outside to take care of their animals. If you lock them up, what do you do to them? Starve them. So they had people at their doorsteps with babies limp, no food. When we sent money, they took care of a village. That's why they made a point to fly to America, stand here, and say thank you. He says, when you give liberally, he says, when you give liberally, it will lead to thanksgiving. You saw it. That's what giving does. When it is given, here's the last point, for service. For service. It's not given to the preacher. It's given to service. The preacher is a part of the service. That's why he's included. But it's not given on the staff. And it's, but it's not given just for, just to, I'm just giving to the church. No, I'm giving for the service of God to accomplish the purposes of God so that the glory of God, his agenda of God gets done so that the work of God never suffers no matter what is taking place. And that's why I'm giving to the service. And when I give to the service, somebody gets healed. Skip could sing today. Somebody gets blessed. Yes, marriages can happen today. Somebody gets blessed. People in the community could get fed this week. Somebody in the community could get saved this week. Somebody could go home and feel encouraged this week. Why? Because the church is operating and functioning for the glory of God and the agenda of God is not suffering. So people are blessed and that blessing leads to thanksgiving. But if I'm holding on selfishly, People leave broken, leave hurting. So why am I going to church anyway? I ain't getting nothing. I'm hurting right now. Nobody was there. Because why? Because we are not giving for the service of the ministry. He's saying, make sure it goes to the service of the ministry. And when you do, there'll be a whole lot of worshiping going on. Folks will come back encouraged. They'll come back with hope. They'll come back with trust in God because they see the efforts and the effects of God on their life. That's why he says, this is about the sore. It's not about your money. How the sower operates, how the sower functions, how the sower gets things done, how the sower is trying to, in spite of the attacks of Satan, seeking to get the agenda of God done when Satan is running loose. It's about the sower. He is doing his best to get us to a point where we are strong and strengthened and empowered to be able to do what God is calling us to do. It's about the sower. And what his agenda is to help the broken take care of those who are hurting a person who is sowing so that we could go to Africa and change lives, to the Caribbean, change lives, people in the community, change lives. It's about the sower. It's about his agenda. It's about what he's trying to accomplish. It's not about the money. That's what this is about. So when we decide all this negative stuff, we come off of what God is saying. Whatever is good, whatever is right, whatever is lovely, whatever is pure, fix your mind on those things. And the God of peace will be with you. When we keep letting Satan give us these negative thoughts, then we come to this and we are using the negative thoughts to disobey God rather than focusing on what God is teaching so that we learn to walk righteous. And we walk to walk righteous, God says, I bless you in everything. It's about the sore, not about the money. 
It's how the sower operates with money that leads to productive results. I hate I got to stop. God knows I hate that I got to stop. There's so much left out of this message. But I know y'all can only hold so much. But I tell you, some days, even though I don't have no hoop, and some days I wish I had one. Because I've seen God do so much. I've seen God, no matter what, took care of this church. I've seen him do it. I've seen him do it, man. I can give you story after story of what God has done. That's why I'm so grateful and so loyal to his ministry and so loyal to his church. Because there is so much. I guess some days I wish that I would tell you what God was doing all week. Some days I sit back and I say, no, why did you keep that to yourself? God, I've seen God do so much. So much. I remember so much that God has done for this church. I remember standing on this land saying, God, we got to have this. This is perfect. Acres home is that way. God, this is it. This is what you put on my heart. And sometimes driving up here and seeing the sower. I, I never forget uh, standing up with the first group of people. Michael may remember this. Michael Harris may remember this. It's a few people we had. And we decided to give to missions. I said, folks, we're going to give to missions. We're going to give 10% of our money either to missions or outreach. Right now we do more than 10. 10%. We ask you for 10, we're going to give 10. Pastor, we don't even have a building. Why we need a building to be a church? Do you know churches in Africa start on the tree? Why we got to have a, this is the church. Oh, I mean, I hear people fussing going on. I can't believe he's giving our money away. And I said, no, Lord, I'm not giving it away. I'm giving it to you. That's not wasting money. That is being smart with the money. And to see when people like Dr. Faustine stand here, when I go and see a man whose house was taken from him in Rwanda, had to run all the way to the Congo, and God has put his kids to do so well that they built their parents a house in Africa. I walk into his house and sit in his house in Africa and I go, oh God. I, I end up saying, the sore. The sore. This man has no health insurance. Healthy. His kids, his wife. The sore, see the loyalty of his kids to his family. The sore. This man started with nothing. Just believe God. He arrived in California with nothing, but he believed God wanted him to further his education. I found out he was there alone. And he finished with his doctorate. Lots of other people, not just me. Finished with his doctorate. Now he's helping his people. Now he's walking in to a nice house when he had nothing but just believe God the sore Satan wants you to think he is the sore so he takes you to casinos he takes you to malls he takes you to car lots he takes you in every direction but the church 
so that on Sunday you're tired, you're exhausted fighting on that job. So when you come to church, he got all your money. And so he makes God the enemy when we talk about money. Because he has all these temples he takes us through. Football temples, basketball temples, all his temples everywhere. So that when we come to church, we are angry at God for even bringing up the issue of money. Folks, it's not money. Get in line with the sore. Let us stand.